Welcome to this week's message. I'm Malcolm Baxter, Senior Pastor of Heart Church, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you've been coming for years or it's your first time on the podcast, we hope this inspires you. Amen. Amen. How you doing, folks? Why don't you take your seats? Thank you so much, worship team. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Joel. I have the privilege of doing the second week of the Summer in Psalms. And if you have a Bible, I would love you to turn to Psalm 8. Thank you very much. It's my favourite psalm. And uh, when you're there, uh, we're going to have a bit of a mental picture. So get yourself in Psalm 8 and I'll explain where we're going today. Psalms, as Pastor Wayne started last week, are essentially one of the biggest, it is the biggest book in the Bible, and it's essentially the songbook, okay, uh, or the huge anthology of poetry uh, in the Bible. Most of the Psalms, or several of the Psalms, were written by King David, and this is my favourite, written by David himself. So, what I'd love you to do, now that you're all there, I would love you to close your eyes while I read through Psalm 8. As you close your eyes, I want you to imagine that much like our worship screen was before, you're somewhere beautiful, okay? I see Sarah Dickin here in the front row. She's a great geographer and she'll tell you about one of the most majestic places that we have near us is the Peak District. There are several vistas you can imagine in the Peak District. Imagine you're there on a kind of really warm, not warm like last week, but warm, warm night and you can see up and you can see the stars. And as you see the stars and the kind of little towns below in Derbyshire, you kind of think to yourself, man, I'm really, I'm really, really small and the world is really, really big but not big in a bad way. It's big and beautiful. And as you sit there looking up at the stars, I want to read this psalm for you. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under his feet. The sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field. The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as you look up into the sky and you see those beautiful stars, you feel small. But then you think, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want you to keep that image 
in your mind as we open up this psalm. So why don't you open your eyes and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about this psalm. Our series is kind of going through three steps, okay? And the three steps line up with three A's. The first A is adore. And it's all about the posture that someone that loves the psalms should take towards how they approach these poems, these songs. And the first step you should take is learning to adore. Learning to adore the Lord or the God that the Psalms are talking about, okay? The second step is called admit. And the second step is all about trying to realise that even though there is this great God that the Psalms are speaking of, that actually we as human beings often live in a world full of fracture and contribute to that fracture, okay? We're scarred and we give scars to others and the world around us. And the whole point of the Psalms is to admit that, is to realise, you know what, I do actually do this. I am a bit of a screw up. I do actually contribute to some of the ills that the world has. And then the last step that we're going to go through is called aspire. And aspiring is all about realising that but actually the God behind the Psalms is empowering me, empowering us to do better with his spirit. Okay? So let's start with the first step, which is actually adoring. Now, I don't know if this is your first time here, but you've stumbled into a Pentecostal church, okay? Now, you probably think, what the heck does Pentecostal mean? Well, a hundred years ago, there was a worship meeting, and it was in America. It was in Los Angeles, a place called Azusa Street. And Azusa Street was a place in which there was still quite a lot of racial segregation, And actually, there was a preacher, his name was William Seymour. And William Seymour was, like most uh, black people in the 1900s, a worshipping Christian. And he's there with seven other people in Azusa Street. And actually, he was joined by a whole host of white pastors, which back then was unbelievable. And all these people, William Seymour, his seven friends and the other white pastors, make this nice interracial prayer meeting, essentially. And they're waiting on God which I don't really know what waiting on God means. It's not like a bus or a train. I think God's going to show up at some point. Who knows? They're waiting on God. And William Seymour, his seven friends, and these other pastors are waiting on God. And something really crazy starts to happen. A lot of these people, they're worshipping and they just explode in this fountain of worship. Some of them start speaking in different languages. Some are speaking Italian. Some are speaking Roma. Some are speaking all sorts of different... And some some of them start speaking in a strange language we'd call it praying in tongues but that wasn't a thing back then that people regularly did and it was so crazy because people started falling down in eruptions of joy think you're not forest fan on the day they get promoted to the premier league times a thousand that's kind of what was going on at the time and so they explode in this worship they're falling over it seems as if they're drunk to the point that other christian leaders who saw this around the city of Los Angeles said these guys are crazy that birthed what was known as holiness Pentecostalism 
And it was marked by this eruption of worship. So these moments of elation, and you have stumbled into that stream a hundred years on. So we, as you have seen, are specialists in adoring God, okay? We love it. We come into church souped up without caffeine, without sugar, and we are ready to go. All the Pentecostals are with me because they're like, you are Alpha, and they are ready to go because they are people that love to adore the God behind the Scriptures because He is worthy of praise, okay? That is what this psalm is talking about. King David, who wrote this psalm, starts his psalm off with one very, very simple message. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And the reason he says that is because he is standing and looking up at the stars and the moon and he's like, what in the world? How on earth can I, a mere human being, who is, by the way, king of a country. So put simply, he's got more money than you, okay? He's got more power than you. One click of his fingers, people are getting assassinated on his watch, okay? He's that. He's got not Oprah money. He's not got um, Bill Gates money. He's got regal money, okay? His face is on the money, okay? That's the kind of power King David has. And he stands there with probably his own notes, with his own face in his pocket, and he looks up and he's like, I really am nothing compared to the star that I see over there and the planet that I see over there. Whoever, whoever put that there is worthy of praise, And he's hinting and he's getting at something that all of us know. That whoever, whether you believe in God or not, whoever, whoever is responsible for allowing earths to spin around stars at specific distances, whoever allows two cells to meet, which grows into a baby, which is ejected through immense pain, but then everyone survives and comes up in a family of care and love, whoever is responsible for the sun being converted into energy and getting turned into plants and plants into forests and forests into a very nice kale that I had this morning in a smoothie. Whoever is responsible for all of that is worthy of praise. Okay, so we come to the we come to the Psalms adoring God. We come adoring because we know I can't do that. David knows my face is on the money. I can have you killed at the click of my fingers. I can have someone fan me. You know when they get the fans and they fan me all day. I've got that amount of power and my power is nothing compared to whoever can actually put that there. Yeah, that is how we approach. We adore because we know that there is a God who is majestic. Because regardless of our trinkets, our smartphones, our spaceships, our whatever, our Instagram followers, our resources, it will be nothing compared to the intergalactic power that this being has. And David looks up and he worships this God, this God that can do that. And that's crazy. I think it's crazy. It's, it's, it's insane, isn't it? But lots of religions have thought that. Lots of, you don't need to be a Jew or a Christian 
to appreciate that significant cataclysmic forces have put large objects in the galaxy. You know, we've just, we got the Hubble Space Scope. You know, we saw more images recently of how vast our universe is. You don't need to be a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim to appreciate that that is fantastic. But this is where it gets very specific. King David is an Israelite, okay? Let me give you a bit of Israeli history. King David is from a people that were once slaves. So I was teaching the Bible last week uh, to our YA gang. So there's about 20 of us in a room and I was trying to explain the first five books of the Bible, okay? They're known as the Torah or the Pentateuch, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you've ever tried to read the Bible, you probably started in Genesis and it's, as again, you started strong. You probably got to Leviticus and thought, this isn't for me. Let me go back. <laughs> this is not, there's too much technical language. There's a lot of bulls being slain. I'm a vegan. This isn't for me. <laughs> so you probably got, you probably never made it through. I'm with you. Okay. This is no judgment. Okay. We're all in the same place. I understand. Now, the reason I say, the reason I'm trying to explain these first five books is because these are the most precious books to a Jew. They're known as the Torah. Now, to, when, and Torah means law, by the way. When you and I hear law, we think speed limits. We think what time are the bins going to come? We think who is the MP that's going to represent me? We think written instructions, okay? That's not the case for David and his Israelite people. You see, Exodus, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy talk of this God, this God called Yahweh. And Yahweh saw a people. They were known as Hebrews. I'm talking about the book of Exodus at the moment. And these people called Hebrews were slaves. They were slaves to the strongest empire in the land, Egypt. And Egypt was ran by this man called Pharaoh. And these are not bottom, they're underneath the bottom. They aren't even considered people, they're considered property. And this God called Yahweh rescues these people called Hebrews and brings them into a brand new promised land. The way he does it is not that Yahweh goes up or comes down to earth and goes up to Pharaoh and says, hey, by the way, I'd like it if you let my people kind of go. God, this God Yahweh brings 10 plagues, all right? Now these plagues, frogs, blood in the water, some point he even kills some, certain of the, of the Egyptians. This God does these specific plagues because he's taking down each one of the Egyptian gods. Each plague is directed specifically to say to Pharaoh one thing, you will not lay a hand on my people anymore. I'm going to rescue the people you consider property and I'm going to turn them into people again. Not just people, but I'm going to make them a kingdom of priests. I'm going to make them a blessing to the entire world. So the very people that you've discarded as useless and just good for making your pyramids, I'm going to turn into a nation that is going to represent my name and be good for the entire civilization of humankind. That is the God that David looks up and sees when he looks at the stars in the sky. This God is not just a God who is distant and throws planets out. This God is 
very intimately, intricately involved in people's lives. He actually changes their socioeconomic status because that's what good gods do. Okay, that's what good gods do. They don't stand distant and go, well, I guess you're going to have to fend for yourselves, guys. No, they get involved. And David stands on this mountain looking up at the stars and he's like, how can I not worship a God like this? How can I not worship not only a God who is able to throw sun and moon and stars in the sky, but able to come down to my little existence and... This mic's working. Okay, right. So, um, so David's able to actually understand that this God who is so big is aware and is mindful of someone as small as David. And that tradition is the same tradition that we've inherited today. So if you're standing there and you're new to this explosion of worship, this adoring, this is the attitude I'd love you to take on. Whenever you go and you see something amazing, okay, me and my wife are about to go to Bali. Don't be jealous. Don't follow my Insta because it's going to be hard for you. Um, (laughs) Just setting you up for, for a win. When you see something fantastic, when you see a waterfall, when you eat a really nice meal and you're like that... We had Nando's last week. You know Nando, like, you know when you taste it and you're like, that came from somewhere else. That did something else to me. Whenever you actually experience, I talk about Knott's Forest being promoted. Whenever you see something glorious, and Instagram is amazing for this, you get to see so many things that are glorious. Don't, don't think for a minute that that is by accident. God gave you, God gave you those yearnings. He gave you eyes Eyes to see stars that were thrown into space. He gave you ears to hear music that inspires you. He gave you a nose to smell flavours and tongues to, to taste tastes that are meant to not only end with the steak. They're not meant to just end with the Nando's. It's meant to make you think, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. That is the attitude that you don't only bring here on a Sunday. You can do that on a Monday. My, my, lots of hands up coffee drinkers in the room. Yeah. Okay. So you know what it's like. It's Monday. It's a hard day. And that first, that first cup and you just, and it just takes you to, it's a worship. It's worship. Is it, is it not? Is it, I'm not worshipping the coffee. I'm worshipping the fact that there's a being who knows how to put beans in the ground and roast them and then grind them up and with a little bit of water can make smells that just make you want to say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name <laughs> in all the earth. So this isn't just about Sundays. Are you with me? I'm trying to get you out of the box that this is worship is something you do here on it. No, worship is meant to be every single part of your life. Worship is meant to be an everyday reality for you and I because we see things, we taste things, we are part of things that are just too wonderful to just be by accident. And they're not. There is a God behind that. There is a God who is intimately connected to your life. The same God that threw Saturn and gave it rings is the same God that's put the coffee on your table. 
Okay? Does that make, is that, that's what it means to adore. And my homework for you is to go out and look. Go out and look. Go and find some nice taste. Kids are amazing for this. They'll tell you, those fish fingers came from heaven. They will tell you this, okay? Us adults are like, yeah, I don't know, but the fish was undercooked. No, enjoy the fish finger. You with me? Go out and find things that make you want to put your hands up and praise the God who put it in your midst. That's what it means to adore. However, we need to get on to the fact that actually there are things that we, that we do with our food, with our money, with the things that God has given us. We know that food is good. And actually there were people back in the day that would see, say, let's take a plant. And they would know that if I plant a plant, it's going to grow. If I give it the right conditions, if I water it, if the sun comes out, it's going to grow. If that plant is a crop, it's going to feed my family. There are people that know if my wife is okay and the child is born and there are no complications, I'm going to have a lovely family. There are people that know this, but then they're the same people that also know what would happen if I plant my plant and I take care of my wife or my lady very, very well before childbirth and the rain doesn't come and the sun doesn't come and there are complications and things start going wrong. People, people know about this. If the plant didn't have a harvest, you'd go into a famine. You would starve. People in your community would die. Resources would be scarce. The child, maybe even the mother, sadly, would pass away. These are crushing pains in life. And so what people, what we have done for millennia is we've tried to think this through. And we think this. Something is controlling the sun. Something is controlling the rain. And whoever is in control of the sun and the rain is very important to me. And so what I'm going to do, what we are going to do, is to try and control the thing that we, re- that we really want. And so people started performing rituals. There were certain people that said, okay, in order to make sure that my plant grows up and we have a good harvest, I'm going to give some of my plants to the thing that controls the sun and the rain. In fact, maybe there's something that controls the sun, there's something that controls the rain. I'm going to give some of my water to the rain person. I'm going to give some of my crops to the crop person. These grew up to be known as gods, okay? And different cultures have different gods for different things. And in fact, I've got, I've got a slide that will kind of give us an example of the different gods that are found in the different places for these different people. And so what I want you to imagine is that you've got David here in Israel and you've got surrounding countries, okay? Egypt, I've already told you about. 
They had gods like Heka and Osiris. They controlled different aspects of their lives. And the Egyptians would perform very, very distinct rituals in order to please the sun god and the moon god. Because if you please them, then your plants will grow. Your wives will make it through childbirth and you will be a very fertile, resourced community. In fact, you had gods in Assyria, like Asher and Marduk and Bell. And all these gods were exactly the same way. In fact, if you had trouble conceiving, there were certain gods in Assyria that you could perform certain sexual favours with other people in order to show the gods you're really serious about growing your community. These are all rituals that people invented in order to control the things that we cannot control. Are you with me? In Canaan, there was one of the worst. There was a god called Molech. And the God called Molech, you would have to sacrifice your children to in order to have more children. In fact, this practice was so bad that God calls it out specifically in the book of Leviticus, which we found in the Torah. Remember that thing that David was talking about? So this God called Molech, and just imagine a mother thinking, I need to have more children. And then bringing one of her children to the altar in order to be sacrificed. To us, it sounds insane, but this is the mindset that people would have. And it would be that same mindset that we have today. And so when I think of it, let me give you some statistics. Smartphone use has increased to the point where now our necks have been permanently distorted. Politics and activism has turned into religious proportions and it's actually leading to what people call a divide that may not be able to be resolved. Household debt in 2018 increased by a thousand pounds compared to the year before. And so when I think of money and power, and comfort, we do exactly the same thing. If I could just, if I could just do this ritual, I'm going to be okay. If I could just get that car, get that thing, get that flight, get that meal, get that dress, get whatever, even though it's going to plunge me and my family into financial ruin, or certainly financial danger, it's worth it. Because once I have appeased the God of money and the God of comfort and the God of fame, I'm going to be okay because I can't control that. I can't control how people respond. I can't control how much power I have. So I have to do things. I have to perform rituals. And even though I'm not marking up my face and sacrificing my son or sacrificing my crop, I'm always going to make concessions in order to appease these people these gods, these things that I cannot control. And here's one thing that the ancients found out, which we find out as well. When's enough? When's it enough? Because what happens is when you get into this cycle, it leads to actually crushing anxiety. Here's why. Let's say you sacrifice 10% of your crop and all of a sudden after that crop, it doesn't come. It doesn't come. And as a result, 
You're, you're in trouble. You're worried. You're thinking, what am I going to do? So you sacrifice more and you sacrifice more and you sacrifice more. And at any point, if times, if things go bad for you, the gods must hate you. How much does it need? How many likes do I need to get before I'm happy? How much money is required before I am satisfied? How much, how much, how much? It leads to a generation, which is us, which is us in the room, which are crippled by this anxiety because I don't know if the gods are happy. And this is what David is trying to say to you. The God who threw that star into space doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need your money. He's not looking for you to give more of yourself, to sacrifice yourself. In fact, that God wants to do the opposite. You, much like the Hebrews, Find yourself under the mercy of great powers. And that God, this is why we talk about battles all the time, wants to enter into your world and free you. And free you to make you free to adore him, just because he's worthy to be adored. So let's move on to what it means to aspire. Okay? Now, aspiring is difficult because we live in this world where I need to have this. I need to have that. I need to have that. God, I'm worried I don't have these things that I think I need. And God is very kindly, very kindly saying to you, you need to take the posture I told you to have at first and realise that I threw stars into space, that I have crowned you with glory. I've given you honour, that you have done nothing Your extra 200 pounds doesn't impress me. My face is on the money. My face is on the stars. I put this world, this universe together and I love you so much that I want to free you from that anxiety, that that worry that you feel if you do not have enough. If you do not have enough. So this is what it means. There's this thing called the prosperity gospel. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of it. And this is how it goes. If God loves you, things will go well. Okay? If God loves you, things will go very well. So if you do X, for example, if you give, if you serve, if you worship, if you pray, if you do those things, God will bless you. Everything will be fine. If you don't do that, things will go badly for you. And again, this is absolute utter nonsense because God is saying I don't need your money I gave you the money in your pocket you think I need an extra fiver bro I made Saturn (laughs) do you think I need you to pray more I have legions of angels praising me 24 7 I'm inviting you into a life of worship. I'm inviting you into a time when you can smell coffee and realise I'm behind that. I'm inviting you into communion with me. I'm wanting to free you from the anxiety of trying to please gods that are never, ever happy. I'm trying to make you realise that though you're not in control, you cannot control me and that's okay. Because I am in control. So our homework this week, our aspiring, the thing that we want to get to, the homework I have for you is this. I want you to go and look. 
I want you to go and use your ears. I want you to go use your nose. I want you to go and use your eyes. And I want you to find the things that make you want to say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? For me, this is driving. I love driving. I love driving around. I just came back from Devon. I love food. I love steak. I love Chilean Merlot and Argentinian Malbec. Yes, I'm that geeky. I love it. I absolutely love seeing my wife's face first thing in the morning. I love kids. I love when kids laugh. When kids laugh, it makes me think, oh man, this is awesome. Yes, he has it. I love, I absolutely love writing. I love graphic design. I love helping people. I've got a brain that is able to know which antibiotic can make your lung infection better. I love the smell of coffee. All of the things I listed are everyday things to me. And whenever I think of these everyday things, they point me to the fact that I've got a God that gave me this. I've got a God that gave me all of these faculties and he is worthy of praise. That's the first bit of the homework. The second bit of the homework is knowing that I'm also filled with anxiety. What makes you worried? Follow that. What makes you anxious? Where your kids are going? What university you're going to? How much money you've got? Do your friends like you? What are the things that you're worried about? Follow that because that will show you what gods you worship. That will show you where you're not doing, where you're not putting God in control. Things that make me worried. How's how's my relationship with other people going to turn out? Are my family going to be okay? Really? Is my career too much of an idol in my life? Are me and my wife always going to be as close as we are now? Massive things. Are we going to be able to have kids? Huge things that worry me, that keep me up at night. And I realise when I think of these things, God, you put Saturn in space and you crowned us with glory and honour. And if I pray more, if I read my Bible more, you're not going to love me anymore. You're in control and I trust you because I can't control all of those things. I can't control any of that. So I'm going to have a posture that says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Just because good things might happen to me doesn't mean you love me. Just because bad things might happen to me doesn't mean I failed you. Suffering does not mean God has left you. If you've noticed, if you've been around in the last year, our church has suffered unbelievable, incomprehensible loss. Structurally, emotionally, spiritually, we have been through a lot. And yet one thing I want you to pay attention to is we are still here saying every Sunday, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth yeah we don't worship him because we get things from him he's invited us into life and life at his sweetest where whether we are at a funeral or we're dining food with friends we say Lord you're in control and I cannot control you I can try 
but I will not be successful because you are in control. So why don't we close our eyes then? Why don't we respond then? The first people I want to talk to are people that don't know Yahweh, people that don't know Jesus as God, people that don't know the God that I'm talking about. This God is unbelievably in control and he's unbelievably aware of what you're going through every single day. And he's inviting you to smell, to see, to touch, to engage and know that he is behind all of it. He's inviting you into life at the full. And if this is the first time that anyone's ever invited you to start a life worshipping Jesus, worshipping Yahweh as God, Amen. So if you want to start that journey, we've got a book we'd love to give you. And so every eye is closed, every head is bowed. And so if you want to start that journey, if you want to start that life with God every day, I'd like you to do something quite brave. I'd love you to put up your hand, okay? So when I say three, just put up your hand. If this is the first time you've ever wanted to respond and say, yes, I want to start that life with God. On three, just put your hand up. One, two, three. Just put your hand up nice and high. We're going to put a book in your hand. We're going to put a book in your hand and let you start that journey. We're going to let you start that journey. Amen. And then now to, the, to those of us that are just thinking this through, I want you to think, what are the sights? What are the smells? What are the experiences? What are the sounds that make me say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? I want you to go and find those this week. Every day I want you to find one thing that makes you say that. And then also I want you to find the things that make you worried, the things that are out of your control. And I want you to bring that back to Yahweh and say the same thing. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, we love you. Father, we recognise that we try and control you we try and out pray our neighbours so you'd have more blessings on us we try and outdo one another in religious affection to no avail because you are in control you've given us eyes ears noses tongues to engage life at its fullness so father i pray that we learn that worship is not just on a sunday morning God bless you, church. Thanks for joining us on the Heart Church podcast. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, I want to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Visit our website, heart.church forward slash response. To find out more about Heart Church, visit heart.church forward slash connect. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.